Have you noticed that the Sunnah Qira'ah for the Friday prayer, what the Prophet used to recite in Jumu'ah prayer, used to be Sabbihisma and Hal Ataka Hadithul Ghashiyah. Suratul Ghashiyah and what's the first one called? Suratul A'la and Suratul Ghashiyah. Now, why these two surahs? So I was thinking about them for a while. And what's really interesting is that in Jumu'ah, Allah says, Fas'aw ila dhikrillah. Suratul Jumu'ah says, Rush to the remembrance of Allah. And in Jumu'ah, you generally have a talk, you have a khutbah, and you have some reminder. And then the Sunnah Qira'ah that the Prophet used to recite generally would be, and what's interesting in both of these surahs, and you'll probably notice that the next time, inshallah, as well, is that in each of these there's a command to remind. What's the other one? And remind. The Prophet is being told, remind, because. Reminders are beneficial. Reminders are beneficial. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Was salatu was salamu ala al mabruthi rahmatan lil alameen. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa salama tasliman kathiran ila yomidin. Amma bad. In the continuation of our series on Ibn Ata'illah al-Iskandari's Kitab al-Hikam, the Book of Wisdom. We are on page 94, the last wisdom on there, which is uh, wisdom number 233, page 94. He says, Al-ilmu khashyatu falaka wa illa fa'alayk. An extremely short but very, very comprehensive statement. And the reason this is really, really important is because you, everybody must have constantly and frequently heard the benefits of knowledge. How our faith stands on knowledge. Without knowledge, our faith is nothing because we need knowledge to understand what's our requirement, purpose of our life in this world, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given an, us an intellect to acquire this knowledge where the grasp of our five senses end, that's where our intelligence comes in and takes over. And we need that intelligence to acquire knowledge. Without knowledge, a person is weak, a person is helpless. And a person is in need. Knowledge is what enriches you. Knowledge is what empowers you. Knowledge is what enhances you. However, knowledge as well is not an end in itself. We gain knowledge for a particular purpose. And with anything else, it comes with something. The car is a tool. But depending on your car, it will evoke different emotions in different people and yourself. Some cars will just be a means for you from getting from point A to B, literally. Other cars will be a means of point A to B maybe, but plus also 
give you a bit of bragging rights, turn people's attention towards you, give people an idea of who you may be or what you may be or what you may be worth. Can you see there's multiple purposes, even in a simple vehicle, even in a simple means. So likewise, knowledge is a means, it's not an end in itself. And knowledge has an intrinsic ability to rise because ilm and knowledge causes people to rise. People respect knowledge. If you can sit there and rattle off seven different points about history, people will be amazed and very impressed by you. If you can sit and talk about the benefits of tea and you're having tea, and you can give somebody several benefits of tea and how it's, uh, what it contains and what it does and how it's manufactured, people will be impressed. That tea discussion will become an enhanced discussion. So that's what knowledge does. Knowledge, knowledge, al-ilmu ya'lu, as the Arabic statement says, knowledge rises. So the person who has knowledge will ascend with it as well. The, the rising of it, the rising of the person needs to be measured because again, it's a tool. It's not a, knowledge is not a means. It's only a means. It's not an end to itself. There are obviously various different types of knowledge. Lots of different types of ilm. And you've heard many, many fadail of ilm. It's extremely emphasized, intensely encouraged in our faith to have knowledge. Jahala and ignorance, unawareness is blameworthy, is looked down upon. Jahilun has spoken about in a negative way in the Quran. The alim, the ulama has spoken about in a very respected sense with lots of virtue and benefits. So that is what we need to gain, knowledge. But then as with everything, as I said, it comes with its qualities and characteristics and challenges. So knowledge does the same thing. That's why he says that what will make your knowledge benefits, beneficial and it will take you to where it's supposed to take you is khashya. That's why he said, if your knowledge is united with fear. He actually says, if fear is united with knowledge. Meaning, if your knowledge comes in accompanied by fear, then it is for you, meaning it is to your benefit. If not, then your knowledge will actually be against you. If there's no fear attached to it, it will actually be against you. It will actually be against you. Now the problem is, what kind of fear are we speaking about here? What does that even mean to you? Because everybody's trying to gain a bit more knowledge. That's why you listen to lectures. That's why you're sitting here. We want to gain closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We want to learn a bit more. We want to learn a bit more about ourselves. We don't want just juicy details. Those are nice. But what we really want is, how can I learn that much more or be reminded by what I... Sorry, be reminded of what I was supposed to know and I do know, but I had forgotten because humans, we forget things. So let's just say that you have a certain routine if you get a certain stomachache or headache, there's a certain routine, right? And you haven't had a stomachache or a headache for a very long time. And you used to have them before and you used to have a routine and mashallah used to work to help you alleviate your symptoms. And then what happened is that you fell ill again after maybe two, three years of not having it. Um, 
you've forgotten what you used to do. Somebody said, oh, try this. Oh, yes, I used to do that. That's actually very useful. Now, you, should, you knew that. You've actually used it before. When something happens to your car, something happens at home, you knew what to do. You do know, but you forget. That's why Allah says in the Quran, وَذَكِّرْ And remind فَإِنَّ ذِكْرَا تَنْفَعُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Have you noticed that the sunnah qira'a for the Friday prayer, what the Prophet ﷺ used to recite in Jumu'ah prayer used to be سَبِّحِسْمَ and هَلْ أَتَاكَ حَدِيثُ الْغَاشِيَةِ Suratul Ghashiyah and what's the first one called? Suratul A'la and Suratul Ghashiyah Now why these two surahs? So I was thinking about them for a while and what's really interesting is that in Jumu'ah Allah says فَسْعَوْ إِلَىٰ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ Suratul Jumu'ah says Rush to the remembrance of Allah. And in Jumu'ah you generally have a talk, you have a khutbah, and you have some reminder. And then the sunnah qira'ah that the Prophet ﷺ used to recite generally would be Sabbihisma Rabbika Laila and Hal Ataka Hadithul Ghashiyah. And what's interesting in both of these surahs, and you'll probably notice that the next time inshallah as well, is that in each of these there's a command to remind. وَذَكِّرْ فَإِنَّ الذِّكْرَى تَنْفَعُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ What's the other one? فَذَكِّرْ إِنَّ فَعَتِ الذِّكْرَى And remind, the Prophet is being told, remind because reminders are beneficial. Reminders are beneficial. Subhanallah, there's a hadith that I've read and I've probably taught and I've never put it into action, it's a certain dua. I never put into action. Just a few weeks ago, I was sitting somewhere and listening in another masjid and they had a little reminder. And the particular imam brought up that. It's like, oh, subhanallah, it is so appropriate for a certain situation that I was experiencing. So even though I'd read the hadith multiple times and maybe even taught it a few times, but we don't connect. So that's why reminders. So in both of these surahs, so in nafa'ati dhikra, uh, uh, Reminders are of benefit. And in Hal Ataka Hadithul Ghashiya, what does it say? Wa ila sutihat And remind because you're the reminder. You remind. So there's <clears throat> a little reminder for Friday. It's a time to remind and to take remembrance. <clears throat> so now what what is this fear? What kind of fear do we need when we learn something? What kind of fear do we need? Fear means, and if you ask children what does fear mean? It's like fear of a lion. Fear of something scary. You want to run away. You don't want to stick around something scary. I don't know. Today people are weird because they watch horror movies and they want to stick around and watch more. And risk the nightmares. I don't know. That's a weird psychological complex. That is definitely not what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has in mind. That's not what Allah means here. That is not what khashiyah refers to. Khashi'een. What is khashi'een? That's why while he's translated as fear and the word khashiyah is easily translated most of the time by fear. But I don't agree with that idea because if you look at the definition of fear, fear is an intensely unpleasant emotion in response to perceiving or recognizing a danger or threat. 
And fear causes psychological changes that may produce behavioral reactions such as mounting an aggressive response or fleeing the threat. Absolutely nothing to do with this fear that we're talking about here. Subhanallah, that is definitely not. I mean, fear causes a freezing response, horror, terror, paralysis, fight or, f or flight. And it's to do with perception of danger. There's... Okay, while there may be a perception of danger in the sense that if I disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then yes, I'm scared of hellfire. But that's not what Allah wants from us, that don't be afraid of Allah because you're afraid of hellfire. Be afraid of Allah because you're afraid of displeasing him your love should be so intense your love and affection and a desire for Allah to be pleased with you should be so intense that you're just fearful of upsetting that you're fearful of causing a problem you're, fear, you're fearful of you're, you don't want to risk Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being displeased of you what a different idea that is not fear I would say that's more reverence extreme reverence because that's what happens and one of the best examples we can observe of this is that you see children their mum tells them off and they want to go into the mother's lap their mum's telling them off generally when somebody tells you you want to run away from them but if it's the mother telling you off you want to go into her lap and if you're already in the lap then you want to hug her and you want to embrace her as though the the best place to be is that in this fearful situation. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is supposed to be greater, more compassionate, more merciful than the mother. So the idea is the safest place to be with Allah is back with Him. It's closer to Him. So this, is, this word is a bit... If your knowledge is united with fearful reverence or reverential fear, I'm struggling here. Right. That you don't want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be displeased. We don't want anything to go wrong. That just marks our record. Then it is for you. Then that knowledge is going to be for you. Now you see the benefit of that knowledge. Why are we studying for? Why are we trying to gain something for? Now for a lot of people who just study a bit, this might not be a big problem. It might be relatively speaking because as soon as you become a bit more knowledgeable within your own circles, you always compare yourself. Generally, look, if you're from a very knowledgeable circle, you're not going to be without knowledge. Your knowledge is generally according to your peers because knowledge goes around. So if you now start sitting in the gatherings and learning a bit more, you're suddenly going to have a bit more knowledge than your circle of friends. And they're going to start saying, you know, Maulana Sabage, you know, and this... And you know, you're a sheikh now and you're, you're more knowledgeable and so on. What that's going to do is that's going to make you a bit more arrogant. That's why this reverent fear of Allah is needed to keep us in check that I'm doing this for myself. I'm not doing this to show off. I'm not doing this to get praise from people. You know, there's some people they go and you know, because they find out you're a scholar, he says, Oh, he's a very big scholar, right? And you're like, Come on, man, that's don't even say that. Even if I do have more knowledge, why are you even saying it for? What difference does that make? Let me do what I need to do with my knowledge. By just saying you got knowledge, it just sounds like just so boring. But 
everybody needs to be careful with this because we're always enhancing ourselves. We're always enhancing ourselves. Now that also tells you that if the knowledge is there with that fear, inshallah, it will be to your benefit. It says that while uh, knowledge without fear, should you have knowledge without fear or should you uh, uh, compare to no knowledge at all? Should you just stop wanting to learn something? Because if you learn something, then you better have fear with it. You better have this reverential fear with it. Because once you have knowledge, you're taken to a higher task. You're, you're taken to a higher account. So should you rather stay ignorant? They say no. Because the person with knowledge generally, eventually, should develop the khashya. You, because you learn more about Allah. You learn about more what's important. And then you can develop that love, that loving fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one who knows and doesn't practice, might be punished a bit more. But then the person who doesn't know may be punished for not knowing. I don't know which one's worse. I'd rather know because at least you've got a chance of getting somewhere with knowledge than with ignorance. See, at the end of the day, the one who knows, and this doesn't have to be a, an alim and a mufti and a shaykhullah, it just means the one who knows that what he's required to know. So everybody, right, that should have knowledge. Says, فَإِنَّ الْعَالِمْ بِيَدِهِ مِسْبَاهُ الْعِلْمِ يَسْتَدْرِكُ بِهِ مَا فَاتَ أَكْثَرَ مِنَ الْجَاهِلِ إِذَا تَابِ You've got an ignorant person and you've got somebody who knows something. The person who knows something has a lamp with him at least. He might not be using it. Yes, some people have a lamp. It's like a candle. Can you? Don't be a candle. A candle destroys itself while it illuminates others. Don't be like that that your knowledge destroys you, acts against us while we help others with it. May Allah protect us from being like that. But at the end of the day, you've got the light. You can use it in the right way. So he says the alim in his hand is the lamp of knowledge by which he can easily make amends and make up for whatever he has lost. Much more than an ignorant person who doesn't have anything when they both make tawbah. See, a jahil who's made tawbah, he doesn't know now what he should be making tawbah of or what he should be doing. At least the knowledgeable person will know, hey, I've got qadar prayers, I better do those. I better make up amends with others. The jahil, he doesn't know yet, he's still going to have to learn. If he doesn't get that opportunity to learn, he's in bigger trouble. So always learn more. But just along with the learning, just temper it. Just keep it in check with reverent fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It says, فَقَدْ يُجْبِرُ الْعَالِمُ مِنَ الْخَلَلِ فِي شَهْرِ شَهْرٍ مَا لَا يُجْبِرُهُ الْجَاهِلُ فِي سَنَةٍ أَوَكْثَرٍ A more knowledgeable person can sometimes make amends within a month more than a ja jahil can do in a, in a whole year or more. What could take an ignorant person a year or more to make amends for and to remove the shortcomings, an alim could do it maybe in, you know, in a month. And again, what I mean by alim is somebody who knows about what to do. Doesn't have to be the one who leads the prayer. That's why basically, in other words, what I explained to you earlier, Sheikh Abul Hassan, Sheikh Abul Hassan al-Shadili says, Al-ilmu wa-darahim. Knowledge is supposed to be like money. Pounds and dollars and dinars and dirhams. If Allah wants, He can benefit you by these, this money that he's given you. Or he can make you, he can harm you by it. 
So you've got money, there's two people, they both have, mashallah, resources. One person uses it in the right way as tawfiq, he's got more than enough to spend on himself and others, and does it uh, and benefits themselves and others by it. And there's others who just selfishly benefit themselves, uh, actually harm themselves while thinking they benefit because they're just using it in the wrong way. We all need to, you see, this is an inheritance that Allah, the Prophet has left for all of us. Some people take a bigger amount from it, and some people take a lesser amount from it. Because ilm is the wirathat, right, of the anbiya. And this is the only wirathat, the only legacy that there's no arguments about. And you can take as much as you want. That's the amazing thing. This is legacy that the Prophet has left for us in abundance, copious amounts, take as much as you want, you can't, there's no competition here. But people are argument, arguing about their grandfathers and their great-grandfathers and their grandmothers and fathers and mashallah there's a, there's a fire after the person dies. That rages for months and years. This is the one you can take freely and nobody wants to take this, except a few people. <coughs> take a class, learn something. Everybody has time these days, two hours a week. Just two hours a week, go and learn something. Not just a bayan, a serious class, just learn something. Read a book from reliable authors. Read the tafsir, read the Quran. And that will inshallah allow the khashiyah to develop and will become more knowledgeable. You'll have to argue about less petty things, inshallah. So, everybody's an inheritor in that regard. Ulama do discuss that if you take the knowledge, but you don't act on it, are you an inheritor? So some say, no, you're not an inheritor, because you're not acting on the knowledge. Others say, look, you are an inheritor, but you're a bad inheritor. Right? Because it, at the end of the day, it's yours but you've not done anything with it, so you're a bad inheritor. So there's a good inheritor, bad inheritor. Others say, no, you're not even an inheritor. We leave that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We all want to be inheritors. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us inheritors of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam with the true knowledge, the way the Prophet sallallahu and the Sahaba had it. Shaykh Abdullah Gangohi, he provides a commentary on this. He says, knowledge that is accompanied with the fear of Allah is beneficial in both this world and the next. While knowledge that lacks such equality will be harmful in both abodes. <clears throat> True religious scholars are distinguished from pseudo-scholars by this inequality of fear. It's this inequality of reverent fear that makes the inheritor the true inheritor and the true scholar. That's why Allah says, إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهِ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاء It's only ulama that will actually properly fear Allah. So you have to have knowledge to fear Allah. How are you going to fear Allah without knowledge? You don't know what you're fearing. Shaitan will make you fear something else. So there's no getting away from this. You have to learn. Just learn it properly and have the right thing. The latter are devoid of fear on account of their pride, which is the result of having gained superficial knowledge. Superficial that is due to the lack of spiritual purity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this easy for us. اللهم انت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين جز الله عنا محمد ما هو أهله 
اللهم يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا معدن الجود والكرم يا أكرم الأكرمين ويا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المعطين اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا وحدنا وارزقنا اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات الله 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 have mercy on us يا الله forgive us يا الله your generosity your mercy, your benevolence, your compassion, your kindness is what we ask you for. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you for your kindness, we ask you for your rahmah, we ask you for your maghfirah. Oh Allah, forgive us all. Oh Allah, purify us all, cleanse us all. Oh Allah, from our years of negligence, our years of heedlessness, our years of crime, our years of... <coughs> we ask you forgiveness. From all those sins we have committed, the transgressions that we have, O oh Allah, the sins that we have, the shortcomings that we have, O oh Allah, we ask you forgiveness for sins that have taken blessings away from us, that have taken blessings away from our homes and our families, the sins that <clears throat> have turned people against one another, have caused problems in the hearts, the sins that have taken away the pleasure of our faith, the sins that have taken away the sweetness of our iman, the sins that keep us away from doing good deeds, don't, feel, don't allow us to feel good about doing good deeds, that turn us and even give us doubts about our faith. Oh Allah, that <clears throat> cause people trembling in their religion, doubts about their religion. And oh Allah, sometimes even cause people to leave their faith. And oh Allah, we ask you protection from all of these things. Oh Allah, there is just so much confusion out there. There is just so much distraction out there. There is just so much evil out there. There is just so much distraction. That the goodness, all the goodness out there, and there's an abundance of goodness becomes veiled. And we can't see it anymore. Oh Allah, you are munawwiru samawati wal ard. Oh Allah, illuminate for us our path. Grant us beneficial knowledge and allow our knowledge to be a, a lamp that illuminates us and then helps others as well. Oh Allah, grant us the khashiyah that's required. Oh Allah, fill our hearts with the khashiyah and your reverence and your awe and your love. Oh Allah, allow us to <coughs> behold you with reverence. Oh Allah, allow us to stand on the day of judgment and behold you with reverence. Oh Allah, and allow us to be entered into paradise by you, entered into your satisfaction forever, so that you are never unhappy with us. Oh Allah, make that easy for us in this world. Grant us that reverence in this world so that we can have it in the hereafter. Oh Allah, remove the difficulties that many people are facing, the floods that have taken place in many countries, the oppression and persecution in other places. Oh Allah, the natural and man-made problems that people are suffering. Oh Allah, the sicknesses that people are going through. Oh Allah, the pandemics, the extreme heat in places, the extreme cold in other places, the extreme rain in some places, and the extreme drought in other places. Oh Allah, what do you have in mind for us? Oh Allah, allow us to rectify ourselves so that we do not come under the brunt of your punishment. O oh Allah, that we are not recipients of your punishment. O oh Allah, make us of those who are part of the Amr bil Ma'roof and Nahyan al Munkar. O oh Allah, those who fulfill the obligations. O oh Allah, allow us to see our shortcomings and to rectify them. 
allow us to see our shortcomings and rectify them. Allow us to do whatever little good that we do. Oh Allah, we thank you for it. And oh Allah, forgive us for our defects in it, for our shortcomings in it. Allow us to enhance ourselves. Allow us to be fully purified. Allow us to be accepted for the service of your deen. Oh Allah, bless all of those who make these gatherings happen and facilitate them, those who attend them. And oh Allah, bless this entire congregation on this night and allow us to be forgiven and take us to Jannatul Firdaus. Subhana Rabbika, Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifun wa Salaman Al Mursaleen, Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.